Welcome to Virtual Student Experiences, where we inspire students to aspire. For more information, please check out our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to VSC Season 3. Today's webinar will be a webinar focused on environmental engineering. If you guys are new to our program, Virtual Student Experiences, or VSC, is a pro bono initiative spearheaded for students by students and we at Virtual Student Experiences want to be the inspiration for aspiration. Our goal is to give the students around the world an opportunity to hear from professionals in their career industry of interest in a friendly and casual setting. And if you're a student and knows what you want to do in the future, we at VSC want to encourage, allow, and connect with professionals. To VSC, students are given the chance to decide if their career choice fits their personality, skills, and overall interests. At VSC, you'll be able to hear from a wide variety of guests from a wide variety of seniority levels. And to find out more information and to sign up to be notified about other webinars, you guys can visit our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. And without further ado, our very special guest today is Mr. Garrett Williams. Mr. Williams started his education at Howard University, where he attained his BS in mechanical engineering. During that time, he worked as an intern on the mechanical and structural engineering F-22 program at Boeing. After that, he began working at Boeing as a stress analyst and returned to college to get a master's in environmental energy and chemical engineering. Now, Mr. Williams works full-time as an environmental engineer for Boeing. We're very happy to have him here today on his birthday. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Williams. Of course, thanks for having me, bud. Awesome, and so just to start off, can you tell us from, from your perspective, what is environmental engineering and how do you get into that field? Uh, environmental engineering is uh, typically when, when people talk about environmental engineering, they start to talk more on the chemical side about aerosols, um, ozone, really the chemicals. Um, and that's really what my master's degree was about. It really focused a lot on the chemical, but I was able to sort of move it over um, while I was working with Boeing. I was actually going to school part time while I worked full time. And uh, I was trying to find connections between that environmental engineering degree and uh, working on aircraft. Mm -hmm. And slowly and surely, I started trying to find avenues of uh, sustainability teams um, at Boeing. And I couldn't really find any, unfortunately, uh, until I randomly visited a, a friend for Thanksgiving up here in Seattle, uh, met with a manager and was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, so in a way, I sort of stumbled upon um, sustainability a little bit on this job too, uh, and it just happened to be great timing. Uh, but it's environment's been something I've been, I don't wanna say I've been passionate about it, and that might sound kind of off, like this guy's not passionate about the environment. Um, but it's always just been something in the back of my mind uh, that the environment sustainability is important. Um, even from when I was a kid in high school, um, I took AP Environmental Science, and uh, just because I was so curious about it. Um, yeah, so I mean, that it's always been in the back of my mind. Finally, I got the opportunity to really dive into it. Yeah, that's really great. And I guess when you're trying to really get into it, were there any special steps or requirements that you had to meet? Um, just the degree, <laughs> really. Uh, Sustainability is still really new. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, Boeing, 
unfortunately, is a little bit behind, uh, at least in our, well, let me not just say behind. Let me say that the aerospace industry is a little bit behind when it comes to sustainability. Uh, when you look at Tesla or Audi, um, the new electric Hummers coming out, they're obviously going towards sustainability and more environmentally friendly products. Only problem is those products are not as complicated as aerospace. So my bachelor's degree is mechanical engineering, which is, gives you a great basis. It gives you an overview of everything. So you get a little bit of computer science, get to learn to code a little bit. You get some um, civil engineering stuff. So you get to learn about structure, uh, mechanical design, of course, and a little bit of electricity. So it's a really good degree to get a taste of everything. Um, and then I realized my master's degree, um, I could go deeper into aerospace or I could try to broaden it a little bit. And that's where I was like, you know what? I think, uh, yeah, going to Washington University in St. Louis and getting this environmental degree was, was that step where I learned a lot, but I still don't know if I've learned everything. So I've been learning a lot on this job, actually. Awesome. That's really great. And I know you mentioned that the prerequisite was a, a degree. Um, so can I ask, like, what role does your education play um, to your success as an environmental engineer? How important is it to go to name school or get really, really good grades? Oh, super important. But I also want to make sure that that uh, it's not the only thing that you that you uh, focus on or the grades. Um, obviously, good grades. Eden is, is everyone cheats for. I mean, that's what everyone wants when they go go off to college. You want to see someone who definitely has, has a good GPA, um, but they also want to see you be well-rounded. And I actually looked up your school because I was curious. Um, I've never been to Hawaii or anything. So I'm like, huh, I wonder what this is. And I think your school is doing an amazing job at making sure your students are well-rounded. Um, and when I ended up going to college, I was debating um, whether to stay in-state or out-of-state. And I was looking at the University of Michigan for my engineering degree, a lot of these big state schools. And then I realized, um, started talking to my father, who was in education, who's the dean of a business school. Um, I talked to my mom, who was an accountant, my sister, um, also on the track to being an accountant. Uh, and every single one of them ended up going to an HBCU, um, historically black college or university. And my sister went to Howard. I went to, to look at it. I didn't hear about it growing up other than from my sister. Um, but I found a college that fit me. And so that's what is most important. You need to find that college that fits you, your goals, your personality, and someone that will accept you as you are. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to MIT, you shouldn't go to Stanford, shouldn't go to Yale. I'm not saying that. Uh, just find that good fit for you, and you'll be all set. Awesome. And I guess in terms of lessons that you learned from your college experience, can you speak to um, maybe some of the most important lessons that you took away from your, your education that has helped you most in your career? Ooh. Um, Honestly, I think it's this one that that was pretty big. When I was at Howard University, I was what what you would call Mr. Howard University. It's sort of like being homecoming king or queen. 
um, but you serve in that role throughout the entire year. You work with the student government, that whole thing. And I was taking the job so seriously. Uh, I love the job. I was somewhat, I was kind of like the face of Howard. And I was taking it so seriously, I lost the joy in it. Um, I was super stressed. And then just engineering itself is a hard degree. Adding the alumni events, the fundraising events, having to meet with the president every now and then, wearing a suit every single day, all that stuff started to pile up. And I wasn't having fun. And so it didn't happen until after college, I realized it's never that serious. Life goes on. The, you need to realize and really prioritize what's truly important in those moments. And the little things that were going on, the day-to-day -day stuff, the, the bickering, the, the politics that happened at school, spent way too much energy on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Too much energy worrying. Um, so that's all I would say is just kind of do your thing. Um, it's never as serious as you think. And remember to have fun. If you're not having fun, you're not doing something right. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, in terms of experiences in college, can you maybe talk about some of the things that you did to help you prepare for your first few jobs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So freshman year, I uh, ended up getting an internship uh, with United Technologies Aerospace Systems. And uh, I worked on a, it's called an environmental control system. It basically pressurizes the uh, the cabin for when you're flying. So that ear popping noise, I was working on that, uh, that system. Uh, but to prepare myself for that, uh, I went to every single career fair I could. And unfortunately, as freshmen, it's really, really difficult for an engineer to get an internship as a freshman because you're taking really base level courses. You're not taking any of your major courses yet. Excuse me. So when I tell you I got how many no's I heard at every single career fair I, I uh, went to, uh, it was super frustrating. But I ended up going to the National Society of Black Engineers uh, Conference. Uh, it's a national conference they hold every year. And I just, I went again. Everyone kept saying, you know, come back when you're a sophomore. But I kept going even though it was frustrating, and I got one yes. And that one yes was United Technology Aerospace Systems. Um, they had a whole development program called Inroads. Uh, you guys should definitely look it up. It's a great program. That's how I got my start. They basically, um, you need to have a 3.0 GPA in college, and they give you all this training, and uh, they give you a manager to kind of help you along and get you ready for interviews mm -hmm. with these companies. Uh, so that was a huge step, um, and they specifically look at minorities, um, which was another, another, another great aspect of it. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely say that was a big, big step in program. Awesome. And I know you worked as an intern while you were in college um, on the F-22 program at Boeing, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, can you can you speak um, that experience and what that was like working as a student and as an intern at one of the largest companies in the world? Sure, sure. Um, 
these were all summer internships. So I never, I never, it was never a co-op um, where you work mm-hmm. and, well, you work and go to school. Um, these were all during the summer. And uh, I was up in Seattle where I am now. And it was really cool. It was a little overwhelming at first because the F-22 program is a government program. So there are some things I can tell you, some things I can't, unfortunately. Um, but what was great about being at Boeing, um, everyone was super helpful. Um, everyone was always like trying to pull me aside and talk to me or show me cool things that honestly they probably shouldn't have showed me because I don't know if I have the proper clearance. But the thing is, they were trying to help me learn. Um, and it was great. I, I'm trying to like recall some of the details. Uh, my first project was actually a project they gave me as in, hey, figure this out. And I'm like, wait, what? Like with somebody else, right? With a lead who I'm supporting. They're like, no, no, figure it out. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And so I'm talking to people and I have to actually hop on the phone and call Air Force bases like, hey, what's going on down there? We need to fix this, this, and this. Um, I'm sorry I'm talking, but uh, I was able to solve it. And they were um, they were super helpful and they were so impressed that I was able to solve it. And I'm thinking, I didn't do that much. I just did common sense stuff. I talked to people. And, but that was a big thing. Communication is key. It's the hardest thing I think we do on a daily basis, but we take it for granted. So, yeah, yeah, it was a, that was a pretty cool experience. Worked there for two summers, uh, two summers before getting a full-time offer uh, to work in St. Louis um, in their research and development uh, area. Yeah, awesome. I mean, can you continue to expand on that and talk about your experience working um, as a stress analyst and now as an environmental engineer? Yeah. So for two years, I, well, I graduated in 2016, mm-hmm. uh, got my bachelor's, uh, started working in St. Louis. I worked as a stress analyst for two years. So a stress analyst is basically an, an engineer who makes sure parts don't break on the airplane. Uh, that, that's a, a simple way to put it. And in research and development, we're looking at new technologies. So we're looking at 3D printing. We're looking at different types of composites, uh, different manufacturing techniques. Um, my work there actually helped me get my first patent um, on a manufacturing technique for composites. Uh, and that was really cool. I got to really jump around to a lot of different projects from uh, proprietary programs that are called black programs, as in I really can't tell you or I'm going to go to jail, uh, to um, uh, space planes. Uh, we worked on the Phantom Express space plane. And so I actually got to size the structure and the rivets, the fasteners. I got to work on that. Um, I got to uh, do this new technology called topology optimi- optimization, a 3D printing technique uh, that's super fascinating. Um, we 3D printed metal, ceramics, titanium, you name it. It was very, it, I learned so much um, in those two years. And that's when I ended up joining a rotational program. So this is sort of a link between going from stress analyst to environmental engineer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a stress analyst for a long time. And I thought that was my calling. I joined this rotational program called um, ECFP, 
where I got to rotate every six months to a different job. And the first one, I worked as a liaison engineer back on the F-22 program. Um, so a liaison engineer basically is the go-between uh, design engineers and the factory or the field in this case, so the Air Force bases. If anything breaks at the Air Force bases, they call me and say, hey, we need to fix this. I go back to the design engineer and say, hey, how do we fix this? Mm -hmm. uh, the next one, I got to work on a very cool project um, uh, called the cargo air vehicle. Basically a giant um, drone. Uh, I got to work on some proprietary payloads. Unfortunately, I can't divulge what that was either. But uh, just think of a giant quadcopter. Um, I have a DJI drone. And I love flying that thing. So seeing this 20 foot long by 10 foot rotorcraft, um, got to do some testing with it too. Super cool. Uh, the third rotation, I worked as a flight test engineer on that F-15 program. And so again, I was really working on shop floor this time, um, trying to get these, these uh, F-15s ready to deliver to our customers. So that's really setting up flight tests, uh, ground tests, a lot of ground tests before the flight tests, and uh, getting them shipped off to our customers. The last one was the environmental engineering rotation, where I was only supposed to be up here for six months, but then COVID hit, and uh, which was, I was actually very lucky because I love my current position, and I asked them if I could stay with the group, and they said, we'd love to have you. So that's where I've been since uh, June of last year. I'm sorry, no, about a year now. I've been with the group for about a year, full year, and um, I love it. So when it comes to environmental engineering, I'm really working more, uh, I, I guess I have two jobs. One is more of a technical role. Mm -hmm. Another one is more of a managerial role, program or project management role. Um, in this project management role, we work on requirements. Um, so whenever you start designing something, you figure out things that it must have. And so those things that look at are hazardous materials. Because uh, some of the good materials that make planes fly for a long time, reduce corrosion, all these things, they're great, but they're also carcinogens. Um, or they have some other human health defects or, or detrimental health effects that are not good for people. And of course, we want to protect our our uh, employees. So that's one part I work on, working with regulations throughout the world and then trying to incorporate them into our products. On the other side, the more technical role, the one I enjoy more because I get to crunch numbers, I get to do these things called life cycle assessments. Um, so for anyone that hasn't heard of life cycle assessments, it basically looks at a product. So let's say an apple and it says, all right, what went into growing this apple? And it's not just, oh yeah, you know, you seed, you got your soil and your water. It doesn't just look at that. It looks at the entire life cycle of that apple. So think of the machinery they needed to use to go through and, and uh, collect the apples. Think of shipping that apple from the farm to the store. Think of someone eating that and throwing it away. Are they throwing it away? to landfill or compost, they take into account everything and they can create this environmental footprint. And that's what we start doing for 
technologies we go on the airplanes. So think of, uh, trying to think of a good example. So think of switching a, let's say we want to build a part out of composite instead of aluminum. Well, we can actually look at what that would take. We look at the manufacturing steps for aluminum and composite, compare them and say, hey, when you fly this around, you're going to save all this weight. And since you save all this weight, that's less weight that the airplane has to carry. So you're going to save fuel. And if you burn less fuel, less CO2, less CO2, less climate change. But that's only if you believe in climate change. But I'll, we won't go there. <laughs> so there's a little taste. Is that something you're kind of looking for? Yeah, most definitely. And I guess since you've been working in your current role since before the coronavirus and currently, which is um, during the coronavirus, can you speak about maybe what you your day to day looked like before the coronavirus and maybe what it looks like now? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I am an early bird, so I would wake up around four a.m., take a shower, hop in the car, go to work, work in the morning. You know, drink some tea, work in the morning, um, have lunch around eleven, work a little bit more, make, go work out at two, come back, work a little bit more then go home. <laughs> um, and, but obviously, we would actually interact with people on a day-to-day basis, um, no face masks. And it was a lot of collaborative stuff. Um, a lot of work actually happened by the casual conversations, just by stopping by someone's desk or you cross somebody in the hallway, just sit and chat. Well, once COVID hit, that was no longer uh, an option, obviously. And Everyone was trying to learn. Um, everyone was trying to learn how to operate in this new environment. Um, we had meetings on meetings on meetings, rarely had breaks. I felt like we were working harder at home than we were at work, which is really backwards. But I mean, this is, I'm actually sitting at my desk. This is, <laughs> this is me uh, working on my desk now uh, during COVID a lot of phone calls. I mean, just like anybody else, really. Uh, a lot of Zoom, a lot of WebEx, and um, a lot of phone calls, which thankfully in our work, we're on the phone a lot, so it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But there, there is something about being in person um, to read people's body languages. Um, yeah, you do kind of miss that human connection from time to time. But we're still making it work. Um, you know, we have to make it work. Um, until it's safe again to uh, to really get back in the office. Yep, for sure. Um, and I guess in terms of in terms of like skills and um, applicable um, hard and soft skills, can you talk about maybe the top three skills that you use on a day to day basis? Yeah, soft skills. Oh my gosh, I, I I'm an engineer. Engineers don't have soft skills. <laughs> But um, uh, you definitely have to flex it in this job. Uh, Communication is the biggest thing. Like I said before, uh, it truly is the hardest thing we do on a day-to-day basis, but everyone takes it for granted. Um, The amount of, when when you get into, for instance, requirements work, wording is so crucial in how you write requirements the shalls, the should, you're almost acting like a lawyer in a, in a way. So definitely have those soft skills. Um, and in other ways, you actually have to be a salesperson. Hmm. Um, 
because people don't like to change their designs because you say they're, um, you know, it's not an environmentally friendly product or technology. We need to swap this. You need to do something else. Well, they don't really want to. We need to really convince them and convincing people to do stuff they don't want to do is so difficult, but you really have to kind of lay it out and not, and almost be really tactical in how you say things and um, you can't just be come out and say stuff and because you and say hey you need to do this that and the third people get offended won't do anything you say so you really have to really take your time almost like really lead that horse to the water <laughs> so it can drink um, and yeah I guess those would really be those soft skills um, all of them having a good EQ is important um, everyone likes to stress the IQ uh, especially engineers, but that EQ is what will take you a really long way. It definitely will. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. That's really great. Um, and mm -hmm. in terms of tips and suggestions, can you give me some, can you give some students some words of wisdom for students that are aspiring and environmental engineers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're a Aspiring to be an environmental engineer or a sustainable engineer, uh, you need, you're really going to need some data science work. Uh, it doesn't have to be big. You don't need to be like an expert in Python or MATLAB or, or anything like that um, or our studio. You don't need to be a whiz, but you need to have that skill. Um, data, AI is such a big thing now. Uh, in terms of you know, flight paths and while well, I'm getting more specific, but those keys will, those skills will take you almost anywhere you want to go. Uh, it will transcend any industry you want to be in. And I will say this, whatever industry you want to be in, sustainability is there in some way, shape or form. You don't necessarily have to be an engineer to be a sustainability engineer. Now, if you want to be environment, that's a different obviously different. You definitely need to either look at going into chemical engineering, um, look at uh, environmental sciences as a degree. Um, there are some specific degrees now actually going into sustainability. I think uh, Arizona State has one. Uh, I want to say Villanova has a good program as well. I can't think of the others off the top of my head. But those are some big ones to look at if you're specifically looking at environment. Uh, oh, civil engineering, mechanical engineering. Honestly, any engineering you go into, sustainability is a part of it. So honestly, just make sure you got your numbers right. You know, learn, learn your calculus, learn your physics, all that stuff, and you'll be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. And then um, just last question, what are some courses mm -hmm. or clubs that students should partake in? And, like, what is the typical path that a successful environmental engineer, such as yourself, takes? Well, honestly, almost any engineering thing you want to get into. So I, I know there's um, the Society of Automotive Engineers has a Baja competition. Uh, well, it's a go-kart. You want to be as sustainable as possible. Apply sustainability engineering. Um, there's a design build fly competition where you actually build your own airplane. You can apply sustainability there. So really sustainability isn't as 
small as people think it is. It really can apply to anything. Um, so anything you want to get into, really keep it in the back of your mind, like the way I had had it in the back of my mind when I was working. I was like, all right. I mean, it was always there. Obviously, it wasn't taking over everything. It wasn't my focus, but it was always in the back of my mind um, when I was designing something as a stress analyst. So definitely get into any engineering group you want to. Uh, first robotics is great. I was in first Lego league in middle school, had a blast. Um, first robotics, obviously more complicated than Legos, <laughs> but uh, the concept of, you know, being an engineer, engineers are problem solvers. That's all we are. Mm -hmm. So uh, as long as you get into a group that talks about problem solving, you'll be great. And of course, round it out with something else where there's debates, um, whether you want to be Mr. Howard or Mr. Whatever or Homecoming Queen, do something else too. Make sure make sure you're well rounded, and I think your your school's doing a great job with that. Awesome, thank you so much. And then, yeah, I just want to thank you for coming out and speaking on your career and sharing your tips, knowledge, and advice, and especially on your birthday. Um, <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. No problem. Yeah, but just thank you so much. I'm sure the students that are will be able to view this later will be able to really greatly benefit from what you're able to share with us here today. Thank you so much.